0: Welcome to another episode of Yesterday's Capers. I'm Abdullah Molim, and every week I'll be bringing you the very best shows from the past that the world has to offer. We've got more creepy crawlies and monsters for you as we talk Beetlejuice, (laughs) ah, Real monsters, and the British classic Funny Bones. Three iconic cartoons and characters that scared and excited many children in the 80s and 90s. So... Let's get started. And uh, joining me as ever, it's producer Paul. Hey man, how's it going? I'm alright, thanks. How are you?
1: Yeah, we're getting there.
0: I just wanted to uh, say before we started, um, James Michael Tyler, who played Gunther in Friends.
1: Oh yes, I heard about this, yeah.
0: passing away with cancer.
1: It's very sad. He was obviously a very lovable character in, in Friends and stuff like that.
0: Gunther was hilarious in Friends. Absolutely hilarious.
1: Just dropping those grenades and then...
0: So I'm sure he was, he was in the reunion as well, I'm sure of it.
1: Yeah, I still haven't watched that, you know.
0: Maybe you should go and, 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 and watch it at, at some point. Right, so yeah, we're going to get started with uh, Beetlejuice. And the cartoon came out in September 1989. And some of the things happening in the world... Representatives of the government of Ethiopia and Eritrean separatists meet in Atlanta with former US President Jimmy Carter attempting to broker a peace agreement. The Hungarian government opens the country's western border with Austria to refugees from East Germany. Vietnam announces that it has withdrawn the last of its troops from the state of Cambodia, ending an 11-year occupation. Black Rain was in the cinemas. And We Didn't Start the Fire by Billy Joel, in the charts. Beetlejuice. So this was a animated TV series loosely based on the American 1988 film of the same name. It was developed by the film's director, Tim Burton, who also served as an exec producer. The animated series focuses on the life of goth girl Lydia Dietz and her undead friend Beetlejuice as they explore the world, a ghoulish, wacky monster super naturalistic realm inhabited by monsters, ghosts, ghouls, goblins and zombies. Danny Elfman's theme for the film was arranged for the cartoon series by Elfman himself. Episodes generally centered on the ghostly con man Beetlejuice and his best friend Lydia and their supernatural adventures together in the Netherworld, which was set in a New England town called Peaceful Pines or Winter River in the film. As in the film, Lydia could summon Beetlejuice out of the netherworld or go there by herself by calling his name three times. The series' humour relied heavily on sight gags, wordplay and elusiveness. Many episodes, especially towards the end of the run, were parodies of films, books and TV shows. The episode Brides of Frankenstein was based on an idea submitted by a then-teenage girl who was a fan of the show. Throughout the entire series, Beetlejuice would often try to scam residents of the Neither World and sometimes the Mortal World as well. And Lydia's parents were occasionally unwitting victims of his pranks by various means from babysitting, in which he literally sits on the grotesque Neither World babies or trying to beat them in an auto race. Following major critical and commercial success of the Beetlejuice film, and that's why they kind of went on and they did the, um, the cartoon. And initially, the animated series was a mega breakout hit for ABC and later became one of the first cartoons or animated series to ever air on Fox's weekday afternoon children's lineup. They're also remaining on ABC's Saturday morning schedules, making it one of the first animated shows to air concurrently on two different US broadcast networks. And the premise of the animated series differ in a number of ways from the original Beetlejuice live action film. In a TV series, he and Lydia are best friends. Beetlejuice is made out to be more of a prankster, and Lydia is given a much quirkier but positive demeanor. Lydia often travels to the neither world, change from afterlife, to have adventures with Beetlejuice. These adventures could involve fun activities together. Lydia saving Beetlejuice from a bad situation or scolding him for a money-making scam. It won the 1990 Daytime Emmy Award for Outstanding Animated Program. And it was tied with Winnie the Pooh. And yeah, they were the two main characters really. So there isn't you know, a need to kind of do a um, a breakdown of the characters. And Beetlejuice, funnily enough, was named after the star Betelgeuse. And Beetlejuice is able to change shape, transform and conjure objects, teleport and perform other feats of magic. Although his powers can be reduced by various circumstances, such as when he feels fear or when his head becomes separated from his body. And yeah, obviously Lydia, she's a bright, lively, sharp yet eccentric young girl. But otherwise, Lydia's unique outlook on life makes her stand out from most of the other schoolgirls which leaves her feeling out of place and alone in the real world, finding it difficult to fit in well with most of her classmates, leading her to frequently visit and seek out reassurances with her closest friend, Beetlejuice in the neither world where where she is accepted and loved for who she is as a person. So, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice.
1: He's going to come, he's behind you now. And uh, yeah, and I, I've, when you mentioned Danny Elfman as well, I forgot that he worked with Tim Burton a lot in his weird, wacky stuff that Tim Burton does. I mean, I, I haven't even seen the movie Beetlejuice, but obviously I knew everyone knows Beetlejuice. It's weird. It's really weird. It's weird in a fun and wacky way, though. It's not weird in, it's just a weird and weird, horrible show. It's weird, it's wacky, and it's quite funny. That's what I, I kind of got from it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I, didn't really like this. I wasn't particularly crazy about it. Again, yeah, like I said, everyone's heard of, of of Beetlejuice. I'm sure you know when you say it three times, everyone knows what that is and what it means. But yeah, I wasn't. It wasn't really for me. The puns and the wordplay got on my nerves. It really did. Like for example, it would be he would say, "Oh, are you on the ball?" And all of a sudden, he's like on top of a bouncing ball.
1: Yeah, see, things like that crack me out.
0: Once in in a while, it's fine, but not every five minutes where you're just using it to carry the storyline.
1: It wasn't the strongest cartoon, let's face it. It wasn't the strongest cartoon, but yeah, I mean, it certainly wasn't a bad cartoon. So be like,
0: oh, I get a real kick out of this and he's kicking someone and then I'm on the ball and then he's bouncing up on a ball and then whatever, whatever, whatever episode it is or whatever pun that they could think of it's like every two three minutes it's like bro give it a rest man <laughs> for goodness sake like come up with something come up with good script writers did you not did the script writers only deal in puns and jokes
1: uh, i feel like it could have been maybe half as long probably
0: I guess the runtime didn't really bother me too much. I think I think we're probably in universal agreement that all cartoons should be ten minutes long. But yeah,
1: I mean, this was kicking twenty-five minutes, wasn't right? it? So
0: it was. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. That that didn't bother me as much because obviously it's standard, it's normal, whatever. Let be be twenty-five minutes long, but be good. Have have a suspenseful storyline. If you're coming off the back of a really successful movie,
1: yeah,
0: and you still got Tim Burton and Danny Elfman. Working on it, then come on, man, give me give me something more than just puns and jokes every two three seconds. I think maybe that was done or designed that way to appeal to uh, a younger audience to get them to sit down and watch. And it's it's mad how both ABC and Fox concurrently aired this show. Like,
1: or it means the opposite, right? They weren't too fast. Because if you really want to show, you want it exclusive, right?
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: But if you're not too fussed, you're like, yeah, yeah. I'll, you know, I'll pay, instead of paying ten million for the excuse exclusive, I'll give you five million, and then they can give you five million.
0: Yeah, I I totally get that, but I do honestly think it was a case of two of the networks going, "Oh, Your Juice, I want to show it."
1: Yeah, potentially off the success of the movie as well.
0: Yeah, and it was, I guess, one of those right. We need to. Find ways to appeal to to the kids, and we've got to find a way to get them to watch this this thing that we're doing. And not gonna lie, I don't, I don't think this was for me.
1: No, yeah, it was it was my favorite cartoon. I only watched one episode.
0: Right, so you can you can talk about that episode then.
1: Beetlejuice goes. I don't know what it was called, but it was the first one. Critter in Sitters. Critter sit. Critter Sitters. Critter, critter. Sitters. Critter Sitters. Critter sitters. <laughs> right so uh beetlejuice goes to a shopping mall he's shopping for lydia because their anniversary of when they first met he has no money and he's broke and he's asking the fourth wall for all the kids money uh lydia comes home and mum has changed her room to nice curtains and stuff like that and she has like dark curtains. before she tears it all down and she's not happy so she summons Be- beetlejuice uh lydia says she has to put up decorations because she's I think her mum was
0: saying that she redecorated the room because of guests coming over and so she turned her room into a nice fancy room instead of the weird goth creepy room that she initially had.
1: Yeah so she's now she's got a job and she's like babysitter and then Beetlejuice gets like the gets an idea and he decides to do the same thing but like you know in the netherworld with the monsters and yeah that's when he's actually sitting on the babies as you mentioned earlier Um, so all the monsters come in Lydia's like kind of easier job you know doing one kind of baby and and then Beetlejuice is uh, like the harder job with 100 monsters all like wreaking havoc. Uh, so the skeleton says you can't let babies do what they want. And then Beetlejuice comes to see Lydia. She brings Arlo to help Beetlejuice. I think I think that's the baby, right? Beetlejuice says I feel like I'm a kid again and now he's a kid. So uh, now Lydia uh, has to take care of them all because Beetlejuice lost his powers because he's a kid. Big baby takes Arlo. Lydia goes to get him back. Please come and put Beetlejuice in jail. He's in court and gets found guilty. Lydia comes in and then he's still guilty. And then Arlo falls in with the soundworms. beelju saves him. And then this gives him a second chance for, with the judge. That kind of escalated so quickly in that. there has been a couple of days since I watched that. And I was like, that was all, all over the place.
0: And the other episode that I watched was To Beetle or Not To Beetle. So this was a Shakespeare episode. So Lydia is struggling with her book report on Shakespeare, so she turns to Beetlejuice for help, and like many of us at school, she can't understand a bloody word, William Shakespeare says, and so she's asking Beetlejuice to show her. Obviously, Shakespeare has got a bad rap from this uh, podcast for whatever reason, mainly from Paul, not me, Yeah, yeah I would that's say. Because with Shakespeare I can get into it once I understand it. If I don't understand it, then it'll be very difficult to to get into it. But more often than not, when I have got into it, the stories are actually pretty riveting and gripping and I'm I'm totally into it and like like Macbeth is super exciting. And I think what helped with my understanding of Macbeth was that we watched the film at school. Cause you're reading it in class, and you're reading about all these things that happen in Macbeth, and you're like reading it, you're like, really does this happen? Let me see it in a movie, and then I'm watching the movie of Macbeth, and I'm like, whoa, this book's got betrayal, murder, Macbeth becoming king, and then he's going after his best mate, and then they all come after Macbeth at the end, and whoa, like it's Macbeth is crazy. Macbeth is crazy. We did it in year nine.
1: Yeah, I can't remember when I, when I did Macbeth, to be honest.
0: And even like when we did The Merchant of Venice, that had the potential of being a slow-burner, boring-ass book. But once you kind of got into it and you're learning about what's happening and Antonio and, and Shylock and the pound of flesh and all of that, then you're like, okay... And obviously, yeah, Julius Caesar as well. Et tu, Brutus? When, you know, the bit when he gets betrayed by everybody.
1: Yeah, I've, I've, I've never read it, man. This is all you.
0: What, et tu, Brutus? You never heard of that?
1: No, I mean, I've, I've never, never read... You've never
0: heard et tu, Brutus? That's, like, one of the most famous lines ever. It's, like, the betrayal line. You know, like, you know the story of Julius Caesar, though, right? Please tell me you know the story of Julius Caesar and what happens to him.
1: He got killed.
0: Come on! Come on! You're, like, bringing down the the, the cultural aspect of this podcast, man. Julius Caesar's, like, one of the biggest things. But, like, Julius Caesar, like, cut a long story short. Obviously, Julius Caesar was the big Roman geezer. Yeah, like, he's obviously this big thing. And then, obviously, everybody thought that he was getting too big for his boots. And so they basically betrayed him. And I think his best mate was Brutus. And the famous line is like, you too, Brutus? Et tu, Brutus? And obviously Brutus is like, yeah, fool. He's about to get got. And obviously everybody just crowds and kills him. And I think, yeah, that is that is how the um, the story of Julius Caesar comes to an end. But, uh...
1: Every day is a school day on uh, yesterday's capers. <laughs>
0: So yeah, Lydia, and, and obviously she's been warned about the Ides of March. but like It's like when something goes down in the month of March where it's like, ah, but uh, the Ides of March. And she's been warned about that. You know, and she meets the three witches. The three witches, I believe, who were part of the Macbeth story and were the ones who basically told Macbeth. No, because Lady Macbeth meant to go see the three witches and the three witches told her That in the fortunes of Macbeth, you can become king and you can become great. And again, the characters now want Lydia to write new roles for them because they want to be modern and they want modern characters and they don't really like their boring Shakespeare characters. Lydia then tells them that she's not a playwright and they're forcing her to write a play anyway by the morning. And Beetlejuice is trying to get her out and he's getting past Lady Macbeth and he's trying to get past. Um, all of the um, other characters who are trying to get in the way. Lydia is struggling and looking for inspiration. Then she sees Romeo dangling from the castle top going, wherefore art thou? And what have you. And obviously Lydia's like, I'm not Juliet fool. You need to, you're barking up the wrong tree. And Beetlejuice takes out Romeo. And then Lydia is beginning to understand and appreciate Shakespeare. And she tells the characters that she needs to see see Shakespeare and try and make a deal with the characters and say, look, I'll speak to Shakespeare and maybe he'll change the characters for you. They go and see Shakespeare and he's struggling to write one play and he has writer's block. And so they're trying to overcome that. So the, again, this was something that really annoyed me. So they said writer's block. So they had like a big wall where it says writers on there and they have to try and overcome it. <sighs> Whatever. But Obviously, writer's block is very real. Any writers out there, all my writers out there, it's a real thing. And the writer's block is breaking, and Shakespeare has an idea for a new play. They go back home, and Lydia can finally write her book report on William Shakespeare. And yeah, that was Beetlejuice. Funny Bones now, and this came out in September 1992, and some of the things happening in the world. Law enforcement officials in the United States, Colombia, and Italy announced that they have arrested more than 165 people on money laundering charges related to cocaine trafficking. Operation Julin is the last nuclear test conducted by the United States at the Nevada test site. French voters narrowly approved the Maastricht Treaty in the French Maastricht Treaty referendum. Captain Ron. Was in the cinemas, and Tetris by Doctor Spin was in the charts.
1: Please tell me that's the actual Tetris soundtrack.
0: Yeah, it is, but it was obviously all danced up and.
1: I'm a big fan of Tetris.
0: I'm I am I am elite at Tetris. I'm not even gonna lie, I'm elite.
1: Do you know what? I'm really good at Tetris, and I finished the marathon on on my phone. But I'm only good when it's got the ghost on it. So do you know where it tells you where it's where it where it's going to go? I'm only good with that. If I take the ghost off, I'm absolutely. I don't need
0: the ghost, even. I am. I am. I'm elite at. Te- I am actually elite at Tetris. I'm not even gonna lie. I will. I will. I will say it right now in front of everybody.
1: I'm pretty sure we can get Tetris on the Xbox, right? I'm pretty sure. Let's have a two player split screen game.
0: Ooh! I am. I am so up for that. I am so up
1: for that. I'll try and get on the thing. Maybe we can. Maybe we can broadcast. Maybe. <laughs> hey, what? Let's broadcast the. Let's broadcast it and, and, and uh, just just the game, right? We'll broadcast I don't mind, the game. You know,
0: do you do what you have to do? We'll make it happen. Funny bones. So this was a British children's TV series based on the eponymous series of nine storybooks and one triple storybook by Janet and Alan Allberg which were illustrated by Andre Amstutz, and focuses on the adventures of a pair of skeletons who were the eponymous Funny Bones. It was published in 1980, and there was obviously Big Funny Bone, whose catchphrase was always, Good idea! And Little Funny Bone, who's the brains of the group, And the voices were provided by popular comedian Griff Rhys-Jones. And he also sang the theme song as The Moon Man. And some flowers for Alan and um, Janet Allberg. They were a married couple who created many, many children's books, including picture books that regularly appear at the top of the most popular list for public books and libraries. And they worked together for 20 years until, sadly, Janet died of cancer in 1994. Alan wrote the books and Janet illustrated them. And Alan Allberg has also written dozens of other books with other illustrators. Janet Allberg won two Kate Greenaway medals for illustrating their books and the 1978 winner, Each Pair Plum, was named one of the top 10 winning works for the 50th anniversary of the medal. In the US, it was published by Viking Press in 1979 as Each Pair Plum, an I Spy Story. The National Library Catalogue summary explains, rhymed texts and illustrations invite the reader to play I Spy with a variety of Mother Goose and other folklore characters. Besides the two Greenaway medals, Janet Allberg was a commended runner-up three times for... Oh, Burglar Bill, that used to be my join as a kid. Loved Burglar Bill. If you don't know, get to know. The Baby's Catalogue in 1982. The Jolly Postman in 1986. And according to Alan and their daughter Jessica, Inspired the latter two and his own Burglar Bill book is autobiographical. The Boyhood of Burglar Bill, a football story set in war-ravaged England. The Boyhood made the Guardian Fiction Prize shortlist. That sounds like my kind of book as well, actually. And from July to September 2011, Janet and Alan's work was celebrated at the Public Arts Centre in Sandwell. The exhibition included works by schoolchildren with local artists in response to Oldberg stories. In July 2014, Alan Olberg declined the inaugural Book Trust Book Awards Lifetime Achievement Award. He cited ethical grounds related to the awards principal sponsor Amazon.com. In a letter to the bookseller, he stated that Book Trust does does good work and has a well-deserved reputation. For my part, the idea that my lifetime achievement, i.e. the books and all of Janet's work too, should have the Amazon tag attached to it. It's unacceptable. Man, Alan and Janet Orberg. They deserve all the flowers in the world, man, because they, they wrote the stories of my childhood. Brick Street Boys, The Old Joke Book, Burglar Bill, as I mentioned already. Um, Funny Bones was released first in 1980. The haha ha Bonk book. Woof, We did that on Yesterday's Capers about the boy who turns into a dog. Heard it in the playground. Mrs. Butler's songbook. It was a dark and stormy night. I remember that one. The big book of poetries where they just had like these bunch of poems. Dog in the playground. One that I remember very, very well and I'm sure that I read.
1: Something about Mrs. Butler.
0: Yeah, yeah. Please, Mrs. Butler. I think it is, yeah. That's another classic. The baby's catalogue. Help your child to read. That's probably one for the parents. Red Nose Readers, The Jolly Postman, The Mighty Slide, Starting School. This is so much, and yeah, like I said, they 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 wrote the 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 books and the short stories of my childhood, and they they deserve all the the credit in the world. And uh, bringing it to uh, Funny Bones, let's 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 talk about this.
1: I don't remember it too well. As in I don't remember what happened in each episode and book and stuff like that but all I remember is loving this book to death.
0: So you don't remember it you don't have much remembering it as a kid?
1: No, I do, but I don't remember the as in what happened in them. I remember reading them, I remember loving them. I remember like being super duper excited that it was a, that it was a cartoon because I was reading the books like before I'd even seen it on TV and then like losing it when i saw it on tv you know the whole dark dark street the dark dark woods and the dark house and you know this you know i did write. i did write most of it down but yeah it's brilliant i mean it's a kind of like funny spooky as well right so it's kind of good for like like a stepping stone to scooby-doo maybe um i
0: wouldn't go that far and compare it to that but i just think it was its own little quirky british thing
1: i liked it i, I thought it was really good
0: me yeah yeah and like I said I read all of the books as a kid and I remember the episode of Words and Pictures I did and they focused on Funny Bones I think it was a Halloween episode I watched and they were focusing on Funny Bones and they were kind of talking about they were reading that book because they just picked out of the shelf yeah Funny Funny Bones was something that was was picked out of the shelf and it was so cool because I'm like oh I read about it and I can see it on. TV. And it was one of those things where even you couldn't mess it up to the point of you're going to have a completely different angle to the book where like if it was a a longer book or a longer story then it might, TV producers might want to try and embellish it to make it bigger than it actually is. But no, this was a very simple, iconic man. The theme song is like burning nostalgia in my head like in the dark dark town there was a dark dark street and in the dark dark street there was a dark dark house and in the dark dark house there was a dark dark stairs and in the dark dark cellar two skeletons lived it's like it's so iconic and so memorable and just yeah I, I I watched this in school I would watch this at home when it used to come on CBBC I would just watch it and enjoy the hell out of it
1: yeah no me too I mean it's I think it's one of those things because obviously there's a few programs back in the day that everyone watched, right? When you were when you were kind of like younger and and, and doing your thing, so this was one of them. Obviously nowadays there's a bazillion and one different channels to watch, but now you know back in the day when it was four, five if you were lucky. And um, anyway, yeah, this this was good it, and it still is good and it's you know it's and quite, it was five minutes long, which is gave it bonus points.
0: Right, so let's let's get right into it and talk about what we watched.
1: One of them was called Pet Shop. So the dog comes in with the bone at night time. Um, they're going to the pet shop to swap the dog because he barks in, and digs in the house. And Mr. Bonehead is a shop proprietor. So, so they buy, they get a fish, but they don't do anything. <laughs> so they swap it for a parrot. Uh, the parrot's rude, so they take it back and they swap it for a rabbit. But the rabbits have lots of babies, so they take that back. And then they take the dog back and it's perfect. You can tell how these are good for kids' books, right? Kids learning to read.
0: All those millions of rabbits appearing did kind of freak me <laughs> out.
1: No, it's because obviously you know like breed like rabbits right is um a well-known phrase so well, who you're breeding with you just bought one rabbit home it, it could have been breeded at the shop and then you know it's just ready to just drop its litter so the next episode i watched was called ghost train so the big skeleton little skeleton and the dog skeleton so big little yeah that's their names so skeletons fast asleep and there's a knock at the door uh, and there's been an envelope posted for the door, and there's two tickets on there for a ride on the ghost train. Um, they find the ghost train, and it's at midnight, and they get on the train, and Little can see the ghost, but Big can't see them, and they keep disappearing, like, you know, the whole, is over there kind of thing, and then they turn around, there's nothing there. So Little dresses up as a ghost, like, putting a sheet over him, and then the um, dog pulls it off. Uh, then they pull up to the ghost town. Big is scared, but they go and have fun, like, it's a seaside town, and then everyone goes home. Lovely little story. I watched
0: Skeleton Crew and so basically they're on holiday, they're on a boat in the middle of the sea, they're going fishing, and the dog latches onto an octopus and he throws them off board. They come across pirates and they take over the boat. They end up on a desert island and they come across a gorilla and they run off off the island. A storm comes and it takes them back into town, they go home. And Little was saying all along that there was nothing to worry about. And yeah, that was all of my notes. <laughs> then the last episode I watched was the last episode was Night Fright. I watched the episode of Words and Pictures and I think that they were reading this book, Night Fright. The skeleton and the black cat wake up and they want to go out frightening people. The cat sneaks out of the window because obviously initially they're like, oh, you're just a, a little cat. You can't scare anybody. But the cat sneaks out of the window. They go to the park and they play on the swings they're playing fetch with the dog the dog the dog falls over and has to be put back together again they still haven't frightened anybody and so they say you know what let's try to frighten people on our way back home but there's no one out to frighten so they go home and then the black cat scares them all senseless and they run home and they appreciate being scared by the cat and they go to bed and that was funny bones
1: yeah, I mean, look, it's super simple notes, right? But it's there's nothing more to say about it. It's just super simple stories, then they yeah. end it. No more, no less. Yeah, I, I would thoroughly recommend this. If you haven't seen it, I mean, where have you been for a start? But um, yeah, you've got to watch or read these.
0: Yeah, it, especially if you've got kids as well. This is something that... If I had kids I would love to be able to read this to them and kind of say to them oh I used to read this when I was your age and funny bones and yay and, and all of those things but no this was this was an absolutely brilliant brilliant story I really hope we get to do any more Mark Janet and 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 Alan Allberg stories that was turned into TV so yeah really really good last but not least Ah! real Monsters! And this came out in October 1994. And some of the things happening in the world. Palau gains independence from the United Nations Trusteeship Council. The World Wide Web Consortium is founded by Tim Berners-Lee, becoming the main international standards organization for the World Wide Web. After three years of U.S. exile, Haiti's president, Aristide, returns to the country. The Specialist was in the cinemas. And Think Twice by Celine Dion was in the charts. Ah, Real Monsters. So this was a animated TV series developed by Klasky Supo for Nickelodeon. The show focuses on three young monsters, Ickis, Oblina and Crumb, who attend a school for monsters under a city dump and learn to frighten humans Many of the episodes revolve around them making it to the surface in order to perform scares as class assignments. And the show is set in New York City, demonstrated throughout the series by the presences of Empire State Building and the IND subway system. And in the episode Monster Makeover, when Ikis refers to himself as the ugliest, slimiest monster menace this side of Newark. The dump the monsters inhibit is implied to be Fresh Skills Landfill. But never explicitly named in the series. The monster community includes a working economic system using toenails as currency. Ah, Real Monsters was the third animated series produced by Supo's company, Klaski Supo, which also created other shows such as The Rugrats and Duckman. Before the final title was chosen, which took over five years, the series had working titles Monsters and Real Monsters, the show was conceived after Supo and his wife and creative partner Arlene Klasky were approached by the network to create a follow-up series to Rugrats. Supo was inspired to write a show about monsters because his own young children loved them. He also said he knew Nickelodeon would not want a series about human characters because everybody else was pitching shows about animals. Supo drew some sketches of possible monsters on a piece of paper and successfully pitched the idea to the network. And what he said was, I wanted them to be silly, not too skillful, and the idea worked. And Joseph Adalian of The Washington Times praised the show's animations and sense of humor, although it was not as hip, as witty as The Ren and Stimpy Show or The Simpsons. Although he felt the show would appeal to children over nine as well as adults, he said he may not appeal to those who react ne- negatively to semi-scary sights and gags about body odour physical punishment or abusive older siblings. USA Today writer Matt Roosh called it garish and blissfully silly and praised the show's outrageous characters have just enough ren and stimpy gruddiness but tempered with exceptional sweetness. Ginny Holbert and of the Chicago Sun Times called it cute and clever series with wit and inventive creatures and compared the animation to the work of artist Peter Max Gannett news service writer Mark Hughes called it a terrific cartoon series and the show's wildly perverse humor had a distinctly European style that reflected Gavel Supo's Hungarian background. And the pilot episode of Our Real Monsters won first prize for film animation producer for television at both the Houston Film Festival and Ottawa Film Festival. The series was nominated for a Daytime Emmy Award for Outstanding Achievement in Animation in 1995 alongside Rugrats, Animaniacs, Where on Earth is Carmen Sandiego, and Two Stupid Dogs. And the award ultimately went to Rugrats. Characters So Ickis was a small red monster who is often mistaken for a rabbit due to his large ears. And he's the son of Slickus, who is a famous scarer i the most skittish of the monsters, but a capable leader. Oblina, who's a black and white striped monster shaped like an upside down candy cane, who comes from a wealthy monster family and is considered by the Grumble to be his best student. Crumb is a orange hairy monster whose eyeballs are not attached to his body and are usually carried in his hands. If he requires the use of both hands, he can carry them in his mouth. The Grumble is a green-blue monster with two tufts of hair, a beard, and a tail. He wears a belt around his waist and a red pump on each of his four feet. He is known for his quick temper, harsh punishments, and keen awareness of the misbehavior of his students. The Snorch is a disciplinarian of the Monster Academy and works with the Grumble and is often seen with Zimbo. Though he mostly does not speak and only makes vocal effects, he once wore a voice box translator whose voice was provided by Brock Peters. Zimo is a monster who resembles a bee with one mammal-like leg and a humanoid face with green hair. He is the Grumble's assistant in his class and is always seen as on the head of the snorch. So, ah, real monsters.
1: So I had seen this, I think. I think i'd i pretty I'm pretty sure I'd seen this before at some point. don't remember it very well, but um, yeah, I mean, this wasn't a bad show, really. I mean, it was definitely had Rugrats um hallmarks all over it, but it was it, yeah, it was really good I thought well what, what do you reckon of it?
0: um, yeah, I didn't watch this as a kid, I used to see it on t v guides or whatever, and never really got around to watching it yeah i I kind of was on the side of liking it more than not liking it
1: it wasn't particularly strong it was no rugrats it was no wild thornberries but it was it wasn't bad
0: yeah it was one of those yeah i don't think clasky supo are going to like hang this up hang hang the jersey of our real monsters when it's all said and done like they might do with yeah like you said rugrats um as told by ginger wild thornberries those kind of ones are like the they're like the premier elite of their kind of catalog whereas some of the other ones might kind of fall a little bit behind but um yeah this was this was actually fine i i it's one of those where with beetlejuice i kind of went on the side of not liking it whereas with this one i kind of went on the side of liking it i think it was just about silly enough for me to sit and watch the episodes went by fairly quickly. They were only, like, they were divided in two, so it was two 10-minute episodes. So it wasn't anything really time-consuming.
1: Well, oh, so the pilot must have been 20 minutes then?
0: So the first, yeah, the first episode was 20 minutes. So I, I was going to say, because like, I've
1: only got one note here. So please tell me i watched more than 10 minutes of it.
0: <laughs> no, because it's um it's the um the 10, yeah, like, most of it was, like, obviously two split split episodes but obviously this one the the first episode was just the one but no this was no this 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 was actually fine it was it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't the best it wasn't far far further worst and 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 there were bits where i thought yeah i like this this is actually pretty good so you can talk about the first episode which was the switching hour
1: the switching hour yes so um nikki is talking is taking a rubbish out jake is his brother Nicky sees a monster in a bin. He screams, uh, but it runs off before anyone else sees it. So uh, monsters are at school. It's like their first Halloween. So they're like the kind of freshmen. Yeah, I guess that's a good thing in it for the US audience. So um, the f- there's their first Halloween. They're not allowed to go out because they all did really bad on their midterm exams. I don't know. If we we don't have any midterm equivalents, do we? We don't have testing mid midterm. So if they if they go out, they get punished with with something bad. Uh, something really bad, or you don't want to know. There were the three choices. Uh, Nikki and Jake are getting ready for Halloween. The monsters are, uh, are going to sneak out. So Nikki is dressed like the monster with big ears, and the monsters go trick or treating, and then they end, they end up like getting themselves into a party. And uh, meanwhile, Jake is terrorizing the street, like you know, throwing eggs and toilet roll and whatever, whatever mischief they can get up to. And at some point or another, Nikki and the red one kind of accidentally switch places. Icus. I call him the red one. But uh so Nikki goes to the monster school and then Icus gets into trouble and goes monster mode on the brother. So he like kind of like goes like really like kind of beasty to 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 kind of like put his brother put um Nikki's brother in his place. So the monster's switched back with Nikki and Icus, um and now the brother's really scared of Nikki. So the teacher kind of happy and is proud that they're the only kids in the school that actually did sneak out. Like the, These are the real monsters, because they actually went to go out. It's Halloween, for goodness sake. But then they also get punished for disobeying the teacher.
0: And then I went all the way to the last two episodes, which was called... The first one was called Laugh, Crumb, Laugh. So it's basically the, the big Olympic scaring event. I actually kind of like this episode and the 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 the, the concept of it. So they're starting off by scaring people at a recycling event and basically Grumble wants them to scare some more even though they're tired and hungry. Oblina's trying to rally the troops because she thinks that they can win this uh, big Olympic Games thing. All of a sudden, Crumb has a laughing fit and he can't stop laughing and Grumble comes in and he's giving a speech about winning, but Crumb is laughing and Grumble thinks that he's unserious and yeah, so the annual scareathon has arrived, and all and the teams are here. So they have to try and stop Crumb from laughing, but they keep failing. And so the first competition was they have to scare a builder, and however further fur he jumps, you have to like measure it. So one of them's going ah, and the builder's like whoa, and he's like jumping as far as he can, and they measure it. So the other person does it, and then they measure it and so mega monster tech win that round and the next one was the 100 meter dash so you have to scare them and whoever like runs the fastest wins so they've got like they're going behind going boo and obviously you're gonna run you're like ah they're running and then they're basically doing the the 100 meter dash and then they do the, the 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 podium finish or whatever then they're tied at the end of the games now there has to be a tiebreaker and the first monster to get scared will lose and and each team can choose whichever one they want to scare obviously monster tech one mega monster tech see that crumb is laughing and so they choose him and basically crumb is just laughing his head off and everyone's like what the hell's going on why is he laughing and then everybody else from monster academy start laughing and then the, the big monster guy from Mega Monster Tech gets freaked out and he runs out. And so he wins. And Grumble thinks that Crom was showing him a way to like be positive about winning. But it turns out that Crumb had swallowed a parrot that was tickling him. That's why he was laughing. And it came out. And obviously Grumble was like to Crumb, you can keep the trophy because you won. And then obviously Grumble's like, I want the trophy back. Then the last episode I watched was Rookie Monsters. And the monsters, they're running from a dog. And they go inside a trash compactor. And so Ikkis and Oblina are bickering about being stuck. And Crumb is like, I'm really fed up about you always arguing. And then Ikkis was like, how did we ever meet? And then it's a flashback episode. And so it starts off with Crumb. And he doesn't want to go to school. And he's like, I don't want to go to school. And he's getting homesick. Oblina is excited about her first day. And then she meets Ikis, and Ikis is very uptight and very entitled. And he's like, I'm related to a famous person, and I don't have to do anything. Ikis doesn't want to share his uh, dorm room, but obviously um, Grumble was like, you're going to share with Oblina and Crumb. And so he was like, no arguments. I don't care how entitled you are. You're going to share these rooms, and you're going to deal with it. Then they have to go out scaring. But Oblina is arguing, and they fail as a first group of scaring people. So Grumble splits them up. So Ickis goes to a squash game. Oblina is at the sauna, and Crum is in a swimming pool. And Ickis is being scared away in the squash game because obviously he doesn't know what he's doing. Oblina gets stopped in the sauna, but Crum manages to scare away both of them, and Oblina scares the the people at the squash game. So. And Ickis then scares the lady and saves Crumb, and they all agree to be together. And so they're all like, I'm sorry, let's all stick together. The, the trash compactor is turned on, and they all have to try and run away. Ickis manages to turn it off, and they all escape. But they run into Grumble, and then in the end, they're all blaming one another as to why they are late. And yeah, that was... Ah! Real monsters! And so, yeah, we have to choose these shows from three down to one.
1: I think this is an easy week in terms of choosing, and I'm 99% sure. Do you know what? I'm 100% sure we've got the same week this week. My three, number three, is Beetlejuice. Two is Real Monsters, and number one, by country mile, is Funny Bones.
0: Yes, yes, yes. It, it is It is. It is exactly that. Uh, yeah, Beetlejuice was Beetlejuice. Whatever, it's fine. Our Real Monsters was actually not that bad in the end, and I kind of liked it. But yeah, Funny Bones is legendary. It's iconic. For us Brits, it hits different than I'm sure it would for our international listeners. But I'm sure the works of Janet and Alan Allberg have appeared in your libraries in school. And I'm sure it was translated into many, many Different languages, but yeah, funny bones. Yeah, this was always going to win, and it was always going to win by a country mile as a compared to the other shows. And uh, yeah, on that note, we will bring this episode to an end. Yesterday's capers is available wherever you get your podcast from. We're available on all the podcast platforms. Make sure you turn on your notifications, and episodes will be available every Friday or Saturday. You can find us on the socials at Instagram. It's Yesterday's Capers 1. On Twitter, it's Yesterday Capers. YouTube.com forward slash yesterday's capers. Facebook.com forward slash yesterday's capers. You can find me on the socials at Abdullah underscore Molim on Instagram, Abdullah Molim on Twitter. Yeah, give me a hollow, give me a shout, and join us for the 100th episode of Yesterday's Capers. 100, baby.
1: We made it. Made it to 100
0: yes we did 100th episode so definitely tune in for that